Let's all stand. I'm glad that he's waiting to help us when we don't know what to do, aren't you? Praise the Lord for that. Let's have all the men, anyone that will come and let's just gather around the altar and take the service to the Lord. Good to have you here tonight. Good to have this good number here tonight. It's been a good day in the Lord. And let's just ask the Lord to continue to work in our hearts tonight. Father, we thank you that when we don't know what to do, that we can come to you knowing that you're there, knowing that you're ready to help us, knowing that you will help us, and thank God you can help us, and we thank you for that. Now, Father, help us in the service tonight. Let us worship you, draw our hearts to you, speak to us through your word and through all that happens in this service, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.
Thank you. You may be seated. Sledder ushers come forward to receive her offering and encourage you to be faithful in your giving tonight. Isn't it a blessing to be able to give to the Lord? It really is. I thank the Lord for uh, the privilege to give. And it's not a burden to give. And it shouldn't be a burden to you to uh, hear about giving or to give. It ought to bless you to death. And uh, whenever it becomes a blessing to you to give, then you know you're really doing all right in your Christian life. Amen? Amen. I say amen to that. Yes, sir. Today's Raymond's birthday. He's excited. Amen. Amen. Sure. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Sure. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Several of them. Sure. Amen. Praise the Lord, Raymond. The Lord is good to us. Amen. Give the Lord praise for all that he's done. I thank him for his goodness. I tell you what, we ought to just be praising the Lord all the time, just thanking him for all that he has done, for we are all miracles of his saving grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for blessing our hearts already. Continue to bless now in the service in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Lord, for the strength you give to simply carry on through life's toils and tests, the worst and best. I'm never left alone. You're always right beside me. You hear me when I pray. Since I first began, you've been my dearest friend. I give you all the praise. And we're singing thanks, oh, thanks. makes me strong each and every moment of each and every day I want to sing and shout won't let the rocks cry out I give you all the praise we're gonna sing we're gonna
I've been singing about my Lord for many years. I've sung when I've been happy. I've sung when I've had tears. Some folks have even questioned if it's all been just a show. But the reason I keep singing, I want the world to know I sing because there's an empty grave. I sing because there is a power that sings. I sing because His grace is real to me. I sing because. Tonight as the choir comes down, I'll shake hands with everyone around, shake hands with the choirs they come by. You'll sing, go through a few verses and then we'll sing.
first now. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still in all the heaven love. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. It's me singing as I go. On the second now, all my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I love. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. All the last now, soon he's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky, I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Feels my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Thank you. You may be seated. We're going to try to sing a song for you tonight that I used to sing with these boys' granddaddy. I don't know whether that says anything or not. <laughs> the song is an old song that many of you will remember. It's out of the Broadman hymnal. It's called The Land of Beulah. <laughs> I am living on a mountain where the golden sunlight gleams in a
Never cease to be amazed. We just take singers and throw them in any way you want to, and they come out sounding professional, don't they? So I say smelling like a rose, but I don't know they smell good, but they sound good, amen? Anyway, you put them together, they, they turn out being a blessing. We are blessed here, and we thank the Lord for it, and He just keeps on adding and adding to us. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of John chapter 1. And we're going to look at a familiar character tonight. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, a man by the name of Andrew. And I want us to think tonight on, you may just be an Andrew, but you can be an Andrew. And you'll understand that in just a moment. Throughout the month of December, I have challenged you to become involved and challenge you to become involved in the many different things that are going on here at the church and the many different ministries that we have. And I want to, this one more night, just challenge you to be involved. I don't think you have your little insert in your bulletin. Many of you have filled those out, and you will be hearing from us over the next few days in the areas where you want to serve. If you want to serve and you have a burden to serve in some area, we want you serving the Lord. And we don't want you just... Uh, sitting there doing nothing. We want you serving the Lord. So if you want to serve the Lord, you're going to be able to serve the Lord. But I want to just remind you of three particular ministries that I want you to really pray about. If you haven't already signed up for or haven't been involved in, I want you to really pray about becoming a part of these three things because I believe these three ministries are very, very important to what we're doing. One of them is our prayer ministry, The Upper Room. And I want to say thank you to all of you that have been faithful to the prayer ministry over the past couple of years, three years that we've had the ministry. And I know the past couple of weeks, two or three weeks has been aggravating for you because our lock has been messed up. And I assure you that we have not been ignoring that. It's been a frustrating experience and not coming up with any excuse, uh, trying to get one to come in and fix it. And they say they can't fix it. You got to get this one and whatever. It's just been a long process. So we decided we're going to put all new system in it tomorrow and, and take care of it. that. We don't have to worry about it so that you that are in the prayer ministry, you can get in there. But I want many of you to think about becoming a part of the upper room. And what being involved in the upper room is all about, and we, there's a board we put up, I think it may already be up. You just take one hour, any time during the week, that somebody hasn't already taken, and it can be in the middle of the night, in the morning, or whatever there, that's 
what we're talking about when we're talking about the door. You have access to the prayer room at any time of the day, 24 hours a day. But you take one hour that you come to the prayer room. And when you get in the prayer room, it's all laid out for you there. You don't have to come in there wondering what I'm going to do. It's all laid out for you in the prayer room. You know how to pray. It just leads you step by step by step to the things that you do in the prayer room, the things that you pray for, and the people that you pray for. And all that we ask you to do is just give us one hour a week that you'll come to the prayer room. It could be in the morning on the way to, to work. You could leave an hour early, 45 minutes to an hour early. Come by and spend time in the prayer room. Take that hour. Let it be your hour. Or it could be when you come home or at night once you get home. It's one time a week. And my prayer is that one day, hopefully one day, that we'll have somebody praying every hour of the day, seven days a week. Wouldn't we see some things happen if that was true? We want to see things happen, then we've got to pray. So we need you. And that's more than just getting you involved. That's crucial to what we do. We have to pray. If we're going to see God bless in any way, we have to pray. That's not something extra that we do. Uh, that's something essential. It's foundational to all that we do. We don't pray, we don't get blessed. You have not because what? You ask not. And so we need you to pray and become a part of the upper room. Go back through the uh, uh, lobby back here in the uh, uh, room where the information desk is. I believe the uh, prayer room chart is there. Look on it and you'll find that there's several names on there. Find a spot that is blank and then let us know, I want that spot and you can become involved. This is for anyone and we'll be getting the new system to you this week to those that are involved where you'll be able to go in to the prayer room at any time. Another ministry which has been a, the folks that have done it have done such a wonderful job and I am so proud of them and that's in our greeters ministry. But we are taking the greeters ministry and using it in even a more effective way in our church. And in fact, we're going to start some classes on that in just about two weeks. But uh, I want many of you to think about becoming a part of the greeters ministry. We're going to be using greeters as we have been using them. We're also going to be using greeters in the services and in the services helping us with visitors and also at the end of services and different things. And so for you, maybe you feel like that you couldn't teach or something like this, but you'd like to get involved in something that, that will be effective and be very fruitful. The greeters ministry would be a good place for you to be in. And I want many of you to think we need several more of our greeters. The ones that have served have done such a wonderful job. I think about during the Bible conference, uh, all the preachers were here. Our greeters were at their place welcoming people and whatever. And I don't know how many of them said to me, your church is so friendly. So when I come in the door, there are people there to meet me and greet me and shake my hand and let me know how glad uh, that we are to have you. And that's what they're there for. And I didn't say that, didn't say it to them, didn't say, tell them that that's by design, but that's what we're here for. We want folks, listen, we want folks to be a part of us, don't we? And we want them to know that we love them. We do love people and we do care for people and we want to be friendly. Now, if you don't want to be friendly, as a lot of other churches, they'd love to have you and we'd love for, you, for them to have you. Say amen right there. But if you want to be friendly, then uh, this will be a great place. But this is a ministry. Not much, much more than shaking his hand. It's a ministry, a very important part of what's going on. Think about being a part of the greatest ministry. And then, of course, faith. I'm so excited. I can't wait till the next semester begins. And we'll be having a faith banquet. In fact, I think I saw the announcement in the bulletin today. Uh, the faith banquet is Friday night, January the 18th. 
Now, this banquet is for anybody that is in faith, anybody that's going to be a part of faith, or anybody that is wanting to learn about faith. Maybe you're thinking, well, I hear so much about faith. Everybody's getting in faith, and they hear about faith this, faith that. I want to find out what faith is. This is what the banquet is all about. It's for us to introduce you to faith. We'll be awarding those who have gone through faith this past semester, and as well, you'll be learning about faith, and it'll be a good time for you to learn about it, and once you get there, you may see that you want to be a part of faith. I don't know of anything that we do that's any greater than our faith. It's just a tremendous tool. And so many lives have been changed and transformed by faith. And everybody that's gone through faith, will you say amen to that? Amen. It is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous ministry to be involved in. We're actually going to uh, be breaking up in two groups of faith this, this semester. We're going to a youth faith, and I think uh, youth faith is going to be meeting on Monday night. Is that right? Youth faith will be going out on Monday night. And then, of course, our adult faith will be on Thursday night. And then we anticipated even splitting that in the fall semester. And but we're excited about it. But it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, ministry to be involved in. Learning how to share your faith. You say, Brother Ken, I don't know that I could ever talk to anybody about how to be saved. You go through faith, and you will. And I don't know how many that come into faith, and uh, they'd never been on visitation before in their life. They had never shared their faith before in their life. They knew nothing about it. They terrified them to think about that they could talk that they would talk to someone else about it and what is so thrilling is they're coming back another semester and they're teaching others how to do it you see all the things a lot of the things that we fear doing winning others to christ telling folks about are fears that we just need to overcome in our life and that's what spiritual growth is about and that's what we're trying to do through things like faith is to provide tools to help you to grow in your christian life so that you overcome those fears that are preventing you from doing what God wants you to do. But I want you to think about being a part of those three things. I promise you, you'll love every moment of it, and it'll be some of the most fruitful days of your life. Amen? Amen. Thinking about faith, I want us to think about Andrew. Would you stand tonight? And I want you to look at John chapter 1, verses 35 and following. And again, I want us to think about tonight the thought, you may just be an Andrew. You may only be an Andrew, but then you can be an Andrew. You'll understand that in just a moment. Look in John 1, beginning in verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35. And the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, be it interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is been interpreted the Christ. And he, Andrew, brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray tonight. 
and we'll look at this wonderful story of a man by the name of Andrew. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you are doing. We thank you, Lord, for the spiritual growth that is occurring in the lives of many of our people. I thank you, Lord, for those that are involved serving the Lord in various ways and in various ministries. We thank you, Lord, for those that you are calling and for those that you are dealing with and working through. We ask you, Lord, to continue to bless and to let folks grow in the things of God. Tonight, I pray that you take this man by the name of Andrew. And may we learn from Andrew tonight things that will encourage our heart and things that will challenge our heart. So speak to us now, and we'll thank you and praise you, for it is in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings tonight, but the simple truth of the matter is most of us, and I include myself in when I say this, most of us would be classified as just ordinary people. And by that I mean most of the people in this place have never been or never will be listed in the Blue Book of Society or who's who. And most of us, the truth of the matter is, we're not even listed in who's not. Can I get an amen right there? There are few, if any, five, five Beta Kappas or valedictorians or all Americans or Miss Americans gathered here. I know of no Nobel Peace Prize winners among us. Most of the people in this room tonight were not born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Most of us are not from the aristocracy. Most of us would be like the fellow who said, I wasn't born in a log cabin like some of the great men of our country. But I want you to know that as soon as my family could afford one, we bought one and moved in. You see, the truth of the matter is, most of us are just plain old, downright, everyday, ordinary people. But then again, most everybody else is ordinary. If you think it's discouraging to be ordinary, I want you to listen to what John A. Hutton had to say. He said, most of Christ's followers must remain unknown to fame. They must live a simple life, a thing of routine. Few take notice of us. Thus we live day by day, not idly or unprofitably, Indeed, but in a small place until the income, such is the life and the lot of the majority. What Mr. Hutton was saying is that most of God's people, they live an ordinary life. Not an unprofitable life, but yet they live an ordinary life. That is the life and the lot of the majority. But yet there have been many people that were ordinary, that lived an extraordinary life. There have been many people that were ordinary but yet they were used of God in an extraordinary way. One of the men I think of, one person such as that, is Andrew that we find in the text before us. The description that is most often given to Andrew by people, Bible scholars, and in sermons is that Andrew was just an ordinary person. When I began pulling, my different, uh, pulling books and reading what others had to say about Andrew, I was struck with the fact that over and over again, somebody called him ordinary. Almost everybody I read after spoke of Andrew as being an ordinary person. Andrew never wrote a book like his fellow workers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You never read of Andrew preaching a sermon like his brother Peter. He was not included in the inner circle with Peter, James, and John. He's only mentioned eight times in the Bible. He was just an ordinary man, but an ordinary man who did extraordinary things. The truth of the matter is, Andrew is like the most of us in this room. 
But I want to be honest with you tonight. If I can be like Andrew, that I'm perfectly content to be ordinary. If I could be what Andrew was and live the kind of life that Andrew lived, then let me be ordinary. Because Andrew, even though he was ordinary, he was used of God in an extraordinary way and he did extraordinary things. So I want to just point out a few things about Andrew tonight. Are you with me and ready to follow? Say amen. The first thing that I want you to see is this. I want you to notice the glorious discovery of his life. The glorious discovery of the life of Andrew. Look at John 1, verse 40 and 41. The Bible said one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which has been interpreted the Christ. Now notice the statement there. Andrew said, We have found the Messiah. You see, Andrew made a glorious discovery in his life. As we say in faith, he had a life changing experience. But I want to point out a couple of things about this glorious discovery in Andrew's life. For one thing, notice Andrew with a hungry heart. Notice Andrew with a hungry heart. Look back in verse 35. The Bible said again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Two of the disciples, one of them being Andrew, heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, been interpreted, Where dwellest thou? You see, the Lord Jesus had just made himself known publicly. John had just introduced the Lord Jesus as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And Andrew and another disciple, no doubt John the Beloved, heard that announcement. And they heard John declare, This is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. So Andrew and John the Beloved began to follow Jesus, and Jesus, realizing they was following, turned around, and he said to Andrew and John, What seek ye? Now underscore the word seek for just a moment. The word seek that is used here speaks of a quest for something that is hidden or something that was lost. In other words, there was something that was missing in Andrew's heart. There was an emptiness in Andrew's heart. There was a longing in Andrew's heart. There was a hunger in Andrew's heart. There was something that was lost. There was something that was missing. And Andrew is searching. Andrew is looking for that which is missing in his life. Psychiatrists tell us there are four things that people are basically searching for in life. One, they're just trying to discover how to be useful in life. Two, they're trying to discover how to get rid of guilt. Three, they're trying to discover how to love. And four, they're searching for a feeling of security. Well, when I think about all those things that people are searching for, the bottom line is this. Something is missing in life. And there is something that they are searching for and something they are wanting to find. One of the saddest stories I ever read was about a couple uh, several years ago on Valentine's Day. They were enjoying a romantic drive along a wooded section in Belchasse, Louisiana. And they noticed something white shimmering in the trees that caught their eyes. And their investigation led them to a dead teenager hanging from a limb. A white bed sheet knotted tightly around his neck. And they found a farewell note near the trunk of the tree. And it was simply addressed, Mom and Dad. And here's what the note said. I never did develop into a real person, and I cannot tolerate the false and empty existence I have created. 
What frustrated me most in the last year was that I had built no ties to family or friends. There was nothing of lasting worth and value. I led a detached existence. I am a bomb of frustration and should never marry or have children. It is safest to defuse the bomb harmlessly now. Simply cremate me as John Doe. An authority circulated the use description and fingerprints to police all across the country, but it later was buried unidentified and unclaimed. I read that story and I thought of the emptiness that was coming out of the words of that note. Someone that was missing something in their life and someone that was lacking something in their life. That was Andrew. Jesus said to Andrew, what are you searching for? Andrew with a happy heart. For Andrew responded to Jesus' question. Jesus turned and said, what is your quest? What are you searching for in your life? And he responded in verse 38 by saying, Rabbi, that is master, where dwellest thou? It was like Andrew was saying, Jesus, I'd like to sit down and to talk with you a little while. Jesus said to him in verse 39, come and see. It literally is, come and you shall see. In other words, Andrew said, Jesus, I'm missing something in my life. Jesus, there is something missing in my life. And Jesus said, come with me, and I'll show you what's missing in your life. Look at John 1, verse 39. He saith unto them, come and see. And they came and saw where he had dwelt and abode with him that day. Now notice this next statement. For it was about the tenth hour. Andrew, no doubt John the Beloved, Probably they followed the Lord Jesus and probably spent the whole day with him. But that interesting note there, for it's about the 10th hour, that'd be about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like John makes a special mention of the fact that at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, something happened. It's like John was saying, we were looking for something. There was something missing in our life. We were longing for something. And Jesus said, come and I'll show you what you're missing in your life. And about 4 o'clock, we found out what was missing in our life. What happened? What did he find? Same thing that happened to me about 1225 on April the 2nd, 1972. I found out that day what was missing in my life. It was more than this and more than that. I found out what was missing in my life was Jesus Christ. And when I found him that day, praise be to God, my search was over with. Can I get an amen right there? John 141, he went to his brother Simon and said, We have found the Messiah. The word found there is a word that describes making a marvelous discovery. It's like he comes running down to the boat dock shouting, Peter, Peter, I found it. Peter, I found what I've been looking for. Peter, I found it. What had he found? He had found the Messiah. And in finding the Messiah, he had found what he had been searching for. I say unto you tonight, the greatest day or the greatest hour of anybody's life is when they met Jesus Christ. That's why Easter Sunday 1972 is special to me. That's why the old Boone Gospel Tabernacle in Boone, North Carolina is special to me because it was there on that day in that place that I found him. And thanks be to God, he met the need of my heart. A glorious discovery in, in Andrew's life. Have you made that discovery tonight? Have you made that glorious discovery? It is a glorious discovery. But look at something else about Andrew. Not only the glorious discovery of his life, but I want to point out something else about his life, and that is the gracious disposition of his life. He made a glorious discovery. He found Messiah. But you notice something. Notice John 1:40 again. The Bible said one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, jot this reference down. You may want to turn there, but in John 6 and verse 8, the Bible said one of his disciples, Andrew, 
Simon Peter's brother saith unto him. Now, did you notice carefully what I said there? Verse John 1:40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. John 6, 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Just about every time you find Andrew in the Bible, there's a few exceptions, but on just about every one of them, he is called Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. It's almost like Andrew lived all of his life in the shadow of his brother Peter. It's like everybody said, hey, you're Peter's brother. He always lived under the shadow of his big brother Peter. It was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. That's one of the reasons I'm, I've always been grateful that I am the oldest of four boys in my family. And I'm especially grateful when I think about my brother James. James was always the student. He was the, always the one that made A's on his report card. He never got a whipping at school. He never went to the principal's office. He was never in trouble. And I'm so glad I didn't have to go through school saying, oh, you're James's brother. He was such a good student. And James, oh, you're James's brother. He never talked in class. Oh, you're James's brother. He never threw spit wads across the room. No, when he came along, they said to him, I hope you're not Ken's brother, amen. But I didn't grow up in his shadow. But poor old Andrew, he never got out from under Andrew's, his brother, got out from under Simon's shadow. He was always Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. But that didn't bother Andrew. In fact, it demonstrates a gracious disposition about Andrew and illustrates some wonderful lessons in life. Jot these two things down. Number one, Andrew understood his abilities. Andrew understood his abilities. Andrew was well aware that he was not his brother Peter. Andrew was well aware that he could not preach like his brother Peter. Andrew knew that he was not a leader like his brother Peter. Andrew knew that he could not get up in front of large crowds like Peter and hold them spellbound. Andrew knew that he was not a writer like his brother Peter. Andrew knew that he was not who Peter was, but he had come to understand what his gifts were and what his abilities was. He knew what he could not do, but he knew what he could do, and he did what he could do. He understood his abilities. Now listen to me. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 3, For, for I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What was Paul saying in Romans 12, verse 3? He's telling us that God has given every believer certain gifts and certain abilities. He's telling us that God has given believers different gifts and different abilities. In other words, not everyone can preach and not everyone is to preach. Not everyone can sing, and thank God not everyone is to sing. Not everyone can get up in front of a class and teach, and not everyone is to get up in front of a class and teach. Happy is the person who has learned what their God-given talents are and what their God-given abilities are and have accepted who they are and what God has given them, and they do not worry or compete with trying to be somebody else or being something they have not. There have been many times through the years, and I'll be honest with you, that I have listened to some preacher and been with preachers in meetings when I felt so inferior to them, especially when I first started out. 
And through the years, I, I think about many men that I admired. And then through the years, I've been able to preach with them on many different occasions. And sometimes I have been so inferior about it and been so overwhelmed and intimidated by who I was around and who I was with. I've heard people preach and I thought to myself, I wish I had the oratory they did. Words just flow out of their mouth. And then I've heard those that get up, and it's, I mean, they just have the ability. It just flows out of them. And I've always envied the kind that could get up and do that. It just comes out of them and whatever. Me, I have to hammer away and beat away and have my notes and all that kind of stuff. That's just the way that I am. But thank God one day I realized who I was and settled on the fact and accepted the fact I am who I am. I am what I am. I am what God has made me. And all I'm going to do is give God what I've got. And that's all God wants us to be. Andrew, he knew he wasn't Peter. He understood his abilities. But the second thing was he used his abilities. He not only understood his abilities, but he used his abilities. Andrew not only understood his abilities or lack of abilities, but he took what he had and he used them for the glory of God. He didn't have the gifts that his brother Peter had, but he gave to God what he had. And he used what abilities he had for the glory of God. He didn't have what Peter did, but he took what he had and he gave it to the Lord and the Lord used it. He understood what his abilities were and he used his abilities for the glory of God. Now, you listen to me. When we get to heaven one of these days, God's not going to judge us based on what we could not do. He is going to judge us based on did we do what we could do. Now, you listen to me. I said again, not everybody's to be a preacher, not everybody's to be a singer, not everybody's to be a teacher, not everybody's to be this and everybody to be that. You are to be what God gifted you to be. And you're to be what God calls you to be. And when you get to heaven one day, he's not going to judge you based on my gifts or my abilities. He's not going to judge me based on your gifts or your abilities. He's going to judge us based on did we do what we had been equipped to do. Just doing what God has called us to do. That's what Andrew did. He didn't have all these great gifts and skills, but he took what he had and he used it for God. Think about a Sunday school teacher that asked her class one Sunday to bring an object lesson to illustrate a certain spiritual truth. So the next Sunday, all the little boys and girls came into Sunday school class and one little boy came in the door with a loaf of bread. And the teacher said, oh, I know what that represents. That represents Jesus, the bread of life. And he smiled real big. And another little boy come in, he had a rose. And the teacher said, I know what that represents. That represents the rose of Sharon. And another boy come in, he had a crown. And the teacher said, oh, I know what that represents. That's Jesus is the king of kings. And they kept coming in. But one little fella come in with a little old banny egg. You know what a banny hen is? And he come in with a little bitty old banny egg. And the teacher looked at him and says, well, Johnny, I can't figure this one out. What does it represent? And he said, she hath done what she could. Can I get an amen right there? And that's all God wants you to do. It's just do what you can. Many of you have never got involved because you can't sing like so-and-so. And many of you have never got involved because you can't talk like so-and-so. You don't have to talk like so-and-so. You don't have to sing like so-and-so. Be yourself. That's what God wants to use. And he'll take every one of you and use you for the glory of God. Don't get intimidated by the abilities or gifts of others. You may be just an Andrew. But then again, you can be an Andrew. He can take you and do something with your life. He was... He understood his abilities, and he used his abilities. That leads me to the third thing about Andrew. And that is not only the glorious discovery of his life. 
and the gracious disposition of his life. But look at the great dedication of his life. You see, there was a lot of things that Andrew could not do. But there was one thing he found out he could do, and he dedicated his life to doing the one thing he could do. Andrew couldn't preach before thousands like his brother Peter on Pentecost. And I'm sure on, Peter, on, Pen, on Pentecost, when Peter was up there preaching and 3,000 God say, I'm sure Andrew was back there hollering, Amen, Peter. Amen, brother, preach it on. But he couldn't preach before thousands like his brother, but he could tell people about Jesus one on one. He couldn't write a book like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and his brother, but he could tell others about Jesus. Look at Mark 1. Turn over the book of Mark. Look at Mark chapter 1, those verse 16 and 17. He found out what he could not do, and he didn't let it defeat him. But he found out what he could do, and he did it for the glory of God. Look at Mark 1, verse 16 and 17. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea. That is Jesus. For they were fishers, and notice what Jesus said in them, verse 17. Come after, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Jesus said, Andrew, I want to make you fishers of men. And then it clicked. That day Andrew found out what he could do. He knew he wasn't a preacher. He knew he wasn't an evangelist. He knew he wasn't a missionary. But he found out that day that he could be a fisher of men, and he dedicated his life to winning men and women of Jesus Christ. You know one of the interesting things about Andrew in the Bible is that every time you find Andrew in the Bible, he's bringing somebody to the Lord. When you look at Andrew in the Bible, you'll find that he's always bringing somebody to the Lord. Let me point out three of them, for example. Look in John 1, verse 41 and 42. You see him, first of all, bringing a loved one to Jesus. John 1, verse 41 and 42, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which has been interpreted to Christ, and he brought him. Who? Simon, his brother. He brought him to Jesus. Andrew, he made a marvelous, a glorious discovery in his life, and the first thing he did after getting saved was he went to tell Peter about what had happened in his life, and he took Peter to Jesus, and Peter got saved with the grace of God. He led a loved one to the Lord. There may be some of you tonight, maybe you can't preach, maybe you can't teach, maybe you can't sing, but you may be the one that can win your family member to the Lord. You may be the one that can win your family to the Lord. You may not preach and 3,000 get saved, but you can witness to your family. Andrew led a loved one to the Lord. Look in John chapter 6. He not only led a loved one to the Lord, but he led a little one to the Lord. Look in John 6 verse 8 and 9. I love this story, John 6, verse 8 and 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves. Who brought the little boy to Jesus? Guess who? Andrew. Andrew led his brother to the Lord. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Now he's bringing a little boy to Jesus. You not only see him bringing a brother, but you see him bringing a boy. You see him bringing a loved one to Christ. Now you see him bringing a little one to Christ. I'd say, let, me just, let me just say this tonight. When, people, when, when children get saved around here, that's the most... Uh, you're talking about people getting saved. There's no greater conversion in this services or in our church than when young people and children get saved with the grace of God. 
In fact, we, we shout about when an old drunk gets saved, and we ought to shout about an old drunk getting saved. We shout about some drug addict giving his life to Christ, and we ought to shout about it. But may I say you ought to jump up and run the aisles when some little boy, five, six years old, walks down this aisle and gets saved because it's the grace of God, and winning a child to Christ is one of the greatest things that we can ever do. Because if we win them now, maybe we can save them from a lot of heartache down the road. Like George Barna found that the media age for people getting saved is 16. And he found that only 8% of those 50 or over accepted Christ after the age of 50. I read a story one time about an old minister in England. And he walked in his churchyard and he sat down on a tombstone. And he began to weep. And he began to weep because his officers had just notified him that they felt he was getting too old to pastor the church and they felt that he should resign and let a younger man take his place. So he's sitting there on the tombstone in the graveyard, brokenhearted and discouraged, when he sees this little boy walking down the street. He loved children, fond of children, so he called out to the little boy and asked him to come over and sit down beside him. And the little fellow walked over and sat down with the preacher on the tombstone, and he began to tell the little boy about the Lord. Forgot all about his sorrow, forgot all about his trial, told the young fellow about Christ, the wonderful story of the gospel, and right there sitting on that tombstone, he led that little boy to the Lord. Shortly thereafter, the old preacher died and went on to his eternal reward. But I can imagine in my mind when he got to heaven, he looked down and he watched that little old boy that he'd led to the Lord sitting on that tombstone. And he watched that boy as he grew up. And he watched that boy grow up and become a teacher. And he watched that boy grow up and become a shoe cobbler. And he watched him grow up and become a lay preacher. And no doubt as he watched over the portals of heaven, he watched that boy take a piece of leather and fashion a leather globe out of it. And before his students, he would point out distant lands and tears would begin to roll down his cheek. And no doubt from the balconies of heaven, he watched that little boy that had led to the Lord sitting on that tombstone one day give his life to God, leave as a missionary to India. That little boy that he led to the Lord was William Carey, one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. I say to you, when a little child gets saved, we ought to jump up and down and say, Glory to God, who knows what God has just done. Amen? But Andrew, he brought a loved one to the Lord. He brought a little one to the Lord. But look in John 12. Not only do you see him bringing a loved one and a little one, but you find him bringing learned ones to Jesus. Look in John 12, verse 20 and 22. 20 through 22. The Bible said, And there were certain Greeks among them. They came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which is the Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now the Greeks were the philosophers and the scholars of the day. And they said, we want to know about Jesus. And so one of them tells Andrew about it. And Andrew makes a beeline to Jesus, and he tells Jesus, hey, the scholars want to know about you. And Andrew now is not only bringing his brother to the Lord and bringing a little boy to the Lord, but he's bringing the scholars to the Lord. I want you to listen to me tonight. The greatest thing that you could do, you may not be able to preach, and you may not be able to get up here and sing, and you may not be able to do a lot of things, but the greatest thing you could do is to tell people about Jesus Christ. To just talk to others about the Lord. You think about Christianity for a moment. Christianity, since its early beginnings, has circled the entire globe. The name of Jesus has been heard basically around the world. But you want to know how it spread? 
You know how the whole world in many ways at one time or another has heard of the name of Jesus Christ? You know how it spread from a very simple beginning? Think about how simple it was. One man that died on the cross and 12 men around him. That's where it got started. But how did the world come to know about it? I'll tell you how it happened. A slave told another slave. Soldier told his comrade. Comrade told the other soldier. A merchant told another merchant about it. One sailor told another sailor about it. Slave told his master about it. A master told his slave about it. The maid told her mistress about it. The mistress told her maid about it. Parents told their children about it. Children told their parents about it. And it just kept going on and on, and it spread through people like Andrew, ordinary people, ordinary people. But they told somebody, and that person told somebody, and that one told somebody, and that one told somebody, until one day it had encircled the entire globe just because somebody kept telling about it, and somebody kept going on. Ordinary people just kept telling the story. I'm saying to you tonight, the greatest thing you could ever do the greatest work you could ever do for God is just telling people about Jesus, telling little boys and girls about Jesus, telling people on the street about Jesus, telling people at work about Jesus, everywhere you go, anywhere you can, just talking about Jesus. There's not a greater work you can do. I think about his dream or story I read one time out of Clarence McCartney, one of his books. Clarence McCartney was a great Presbyterian preacher of this generation back in the early days of this generation but he told of a dream that he had one night and in his dream he saw the Lord seated on the throne and either side of the throne there stood the great angels there was Uriel the angel of light there was Raphael the angel of reason there was Michael the angel of the sword and Gabriel the angel of the holy song but before the throne there stood another angel, the angel of the book of life. And standing beside the angel of the book of life was a mortal. The Lord sitting on his throne looked at the angel of the book and said, Who is this that you have brought and what are his claims? And the angel looked in the book and he said, O king, this man was a great inventor and he shed light on the pathway of man throughout the world. And the Lord said, Send him up and let him stand by the side of Uriel, the angel of light. And then another mortal walked up beside the angel of the book. And the king looked on him and said, Who is this and what are his claims? And the angel looked in the book and said, This was a great philosopher, a thinker, who thought thy thoughts after thee. And the Lord said, Send him up and let him stand by the side of Raphael, the angel of reason. And another mortal walked up. And then the angel brought the third one come up and the king said, Who is this and what are his claims? And the angel looked in his book and said, This was a great patron. With his sword, he delivered people out of the hands of the tyrants. And the Lord said, send him up and let him stand by Michael, the angel of the sword. The angel brought up a fourth man. The Lord said, who is this and what is his claim? And the angel said, this man sang holy songs and praise to God, songs which still echo throughout the church today. And the Lord said, send him up. Let him stand by Gabriel, the angel of the holy song. And then a fifth one walked up. And McCartney said, in my dream, when I saw him, I wondered who he was and wondered why he had been brought before the throne. For in his person I saw no note of greatness, and in his eye was, there was no flash of genius. And the king looked at him and said, who is this and what are his claims? The angel looked in his book and he said, this man won a soul for Christ. And McCartney said, in his dream, I never heard 
what the king on the throne said about him. For when they said he won a man to Christ, heaven broke loose. Angels and archangels and cherubims and seraphim and a host of the redeemed began to rejoice that somebody had been saved with the grace of God. Can I say to you tonight, it's great to be an inventor. It's great to be a philosopher. It's great to be a singer. It's great to be a preacher. But the greatest thing that you could ever be and the greatest thing that you could ever do is just be Andrew and just tell people about Jesus. Telling a little boy and girl that Jesus loved them. Don't ever get discouraged in your Sunday school class because you got one, two little boys and girls. Who knows? There may be a William Carey you're talking to in that Sunday school class. Tell them about Jesus. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. There's not a greater thing that you could do. You want to do something good for God, great for God? You say, I'm just ordinary. Yes, you may be like me, just like Andrew. But then again, you may be just like Andrew, but you can be an Andrew and you can tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand our feet, please.